Today, I'm going to be sharing about partnering with the promise. Uh, this is something that's been really important and big on my heart, is I think in our lives, we all realistically, um, we need to realize that God has huge promises for our lives and for Canada, for Winnipeg. God has huge plans for the world, um, and we need to partner with him. So yeah, my message is we need to partner with the promises of God. So know that um, as I'm sharing today, everything that I'm saying uh, is related to our responsibility as the body of Christ to partner with God in the things that he has for us and for our lives. So first, I think something that we need to do is we need to define very clearly what a promise is. I think when I, when I say the word promise, does everyone have a kind of a clear picture if I say the word promise? Be honest. Do you know what that means? Or who here would be like, that's kind of vague? Yeah? No one wants to raise their hands. I would say, for me, when people have said promises, like, hey, God has promises for your life, sometimes it can feel pretty vague. You don't really know what that means. Um, but a, a promise is a calling. It's a destiny. It's anything you know God wants to accomplish in your life. It could be in Winnipeg. It could be the world. So a promise of God is, is God's word that is yet to be fulfilled in any area of your life. So it could be as something as simple. Hopefully these lights turn on, guys. Um, it could be something as simple as just like, hey, you know, God has called you to um, be financially secure enough that you can bless people in the kingdom. It could be God has called you to have a very, like, uh, strong marriage that's going to be an inspiration to many. It could be, um, you know, wholeness and um, healing in your family. It could be any of those things um, that are based on the nature of God or based on Scripture or based on things God's spoken to you personally. And so those are the things. So I want you guys to begin thinking as I'm preaching just what some of those things are um, in your life that you feel God has promised over your life. Something simple is just with Katrina. I don't know where she went, but over there. Um, if I was, for example, I've told Katrina, I want to go to San Diego with you. I'm like, that's something that I really want to do. She's obsessed with San Diego. It's her favorite place. She wants to move there. I think Winnipeg's way cooler than San Diego. Just joking. Um, but, for example, that's a promise that I'm like, you know, that's really important to me that I've told Katrina that I want to go to San Diego with her. And so that's something I want to do. And that's a promise on my heart that I will do that with her. And so it's the same thing with God. God has promised things that he wants to do with our lives in and through us. And we have to be... Um, but we need to partner with him to make those things happen. Um, story about Bill Johnson. I, um, something I love about the man when I was at school there is he, uh, he has such a heart of perseverance and grace. And I remember him sharing the story. And I might get some of the, uh, a couple of the details wrong, but he started in Weaverville, California in a small church. And uh, God called him to Redding, California, to Bethel. And when he went there, the church was about 1,300 people uh, in this church. And during that time, Bill Johnson went to Catch the Fire Toronto. It's pretty cool. So he went there, gets radically touched by the Holy Spirit. Um, just, I think it's him and his wife, Benny, get radically, radically touched by God's power. Um, they get prophetic words that you're going to have a school where the nations are going to come to you. You're going to have over 70 to 80 nations coming to you for the school ministry, uh, for guidance and leadership in the church. And really, it just... Um, what God spoke to them was so profound that they went back and they began to move on these things. And Bill Johnson, um, in his church, they weren't accustomed to revival. They weren't accustomed to signs and wonders and miracles and all these things. And so he started pushing the agenda for, for miracles, for, for healings. And as he did that, uh, people didn't necessarily like that. People don't like change. I don't always like change, but these people really didn't like change. And I think they ended up losing about 1,000 people in their congregation 
um, when he started pushing for what he felt God had promised over the church and over their lives. Um, and they went down to about 300 people, actually. Um, but you see, in that moment, he didn't lose track of what God had called him to do. God had called him to be a center of revival, to see nations coming there, to get equipped and sent out and change their nation. Um, and now that is happening. And so for me, what's so inspiring to me about Bill and his, and his team is that he never let go of the promises of God, that even when he lost a thousand people, or he could have said, God, this can't be you, this can't be um, your, your inheritance of what you have for me, there's no way that I'm actually hearing you. He actually held on to the prophetic words and the promises of God and started partnering and walking towards them until they came to fruition. That's pretty incredible, right? That's so cool. And so for me personally, I'm... I, I just, I get very touched by that because I'm like, you know, there's so many times in my personal journey that I felt like giving up or there's been times where I felt like, God, you've said this over my life and I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I feel, I feel personally called that wherever I am with this church, right, like I want to be with you guys uh, for the next however many years. I think God has told me, Chris, I want you to be committed for at least seven years or more to Cats of Fire Winnipeg. So if you're new here, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to keep seeing me for a while. <laughs> But I, knew, I know wherever I am, God is saying, I want you to help raise the people. And I, guys want, I want you to be a voice in the nation. I want you to have influence in the nation of Canada to raise up sons and daughters and see the world changed. And so I know, realistically, I don't think I'm at that place where I, I'm, we're doing all that. But I still have these promises, these prophetic words from God that this is where you're calling me, God. And I'm going to start, start taking steps practically to get there. So who believes here that God has amazing plans for Winnipeg? Amen. So I, I actually, I firmly believe that God is bringing reformation. He's bringing transformation. He's bringing revival to Winnipeg. I believe that strongly. I believe that God has already began an awakening in Canada, and he's looking for people to be a part of it. Who would want to be a part of that? Great. Okay. I love it. I actually want to release this really quick. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going here for a bit and then get into my sermon. Um, but I believe God is actually bringing us and as a church into a, a time of consecration and profound marking. Um, as I was sharing this, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. He just said, there's actually people here who are hungry after God. But I felt really clear that the Lord just said, this is a time where God wants to consecrate and mark people for his purposes in the church. Um, I really feel like there's even some of you here today that you've been hungry after God. You've been hungry after God using you in different ways, whether it's in your workplace or in your marriage or in the city. And I just felt the Holy Spirit wanting to say that he is actually raising up people in this church to make a difference in Winnipeg and in this nation. I feel like Jesus was saying, there's people in here that are actually going to change the world with the kingdom in here. And I believe God is marking you today. And so I want to pray into that quick. Um, Father, I just pray for this congregation, God. I pray that there, I believe there's people here today, God, um, who you are marking, who you are consecrating. I just see um, pictures of people being set apart um, by your love and by your purposes and by your works, God. And I just see people stepping into the fullness of who they're called to be. And God, I just see the kingdom expanding into um, these people's lives, God. I see the kingdom expanding into their workplace, into their marriages, Father. And so whoever those people are, Father, I pray that you would mark them, God, that you would touch them deeply. Um, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just love them into this, God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And with that, I just heard the, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me that whoever this is, like, does this speak to anyone in particular here today? You can raise your hand loud and proud. That's awesome. I just really felt like God was just saying that that will be sustained in the secret place, that what God is doing is going to be sustained. It's going to be grown in the secret place. 
So good. So God, with all this, God desires for us to understand our identity. I, b- I believe that God wants us to be so internally transformed that everything else in our lives is externally transformed. I believe God wants us to host his presence so strongly and specifically that it would be our goal every day, wherever we go, that we would host his presence and he would so transform our hearts that it would spill over into all areas of our lives. I remember when I was at Bethel, I had this clear vision from this guy named Noah. And the vision was, I was standing in this river. He saw me standing in this river. And as I was standing there um, and just resting in God, in the Holy Spirit, which was the water, the the banks began to get uh, pulled in. And then the trees and then everything else on the edges of the banks began to get pulled into this water. And that's something I've I've tried to live by in my entire life is just resting in the presence of God and just letting his presence draw everything else in my life into the presence of God. Wouldn't it be cool if all of our family and all of our friends of our workplaces, if everyone can know the love of the Father? Wouldn't it be so cool? So, for, so back, onto the, um, back onto the path of partnering with the promise. I can kind of relate to this in a big way about partnering with God's promises. I, I remember when I first got saved, God specifically called me and said, I want you to be a youth pastor. So the night when I was 16, and I won't, I won't share my testimony over again with you guys because I've already done that quite a few times with you. But I remember the night that I was saved, God spoke to me and said, I want you to be in youth ministry. I want you to be a youth pastor. Um, and I just, how many of you know that whenever God calls you into something, there is so much more of a journey ahead of you than you think. And, you know, I think at first I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to become a youth pastor, go to Bible college, get a job. It's going to be super easy. Uh, but there were so many practical things that God wanted to teach me in that time to become the youth pastor or the youth minister that God had called me to be. Um, I remember God speaking to me in something very practical um, when I was landscaping. I did landscaping for two years um, during the summers. And I remember one time, um, actually people don't know this, but I used to be a fantastic weed whipper. I did that for 40 hours a week. I was incredible. I could go so fast. I went way too hard. I was like such a try hard, but I just was crazy good at it. So if you need any weed whipping done, I can do that for you on the side. Anyways, but so back to the weed whipping story. I'm like sitting there in this, in this parking lot and my boss, there's like all these huge weeds and my boss is like, hey, I want you to cut those all down. And like there's tons, they're everywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I don't think he liked me very much. So he assigned me to that job. So I'm doing this. And as I'm going, like there's all these little pebbles. And they're just getting whipped up and spraying me in the face. They're hitting me in the cheek. Um, luckily, I had like goggles on, so my eyes were protected. But they were just nailing me in the face. And I just, I remember I was talking to God. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. I'll just tell my boss, like, listen, I'm not doing this. This isn't safe. And I remember he spoke to me. The father spoke. And he's like, no, like get back there and, and finish what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go back and I'm doing it. And I'm just getting, I'm trying to, like, I'm getting nailed in the face. Like I had one hit my tooth, almost chip my tooth. It was brutal. And, and as I'm doing it, I'm like, I, as, as I'm doing it, the father spoke to me so clearly. And he just said to me, I want you to be so focused on who I say you are and so focused on where I'm leading you that nothing can stop you. And see, what God does is when God has called you to do something great with your life, all of you, all of us, when God has called us to do something, he uses something physical to teach us something spiritual. And in that moment, it taught me something so important that, you know, in my life and as, as we move towards the promises of God in our life, I believe that God has more for every single person here. I believe that God wants to increase your faith. He wants you to grow. He wants you to know who you are and know God deeper. And he wants you to understand the impact he longs to make through your life and how special and significant you are. There's so many deeper levels that God is calling us to. But realistically, we need to partner with God and be teachable. 
and say, Father, yes, I know you're calling me to Z. Z. I always get mixed. I don't know which one's Canadian. Say, I know you're calling me here, but God, what, what are the steps I need to take? What can I do practically? Are you guys following me? And so there were so many things that the Father was teaching me during that time, with work or with anything. I believe the Father wants to use every single thing in your life to teach something to you about your sonship or about your daughtership in Christ and who you are as a leader and, and a person of faith. So you guys, I want you guys to write this down. Your position before the Father and your willingness to partner with him determines your progression towards his promises over your life. I'll say that one more time. Your position before the Father and your willingness to partner with him determines your progression towards his promises over your life. That's great. So we need to partner with God through intimacy. So touch your neighbor and just say, partner with God through intimacy. You can punch them if you want to. So guys, intimacy is the doorway for us to courageously step into God's call on our lives. If we don't, I'm, and I'll, I'll keep hitting you guys over the head with this over and over, guys. If we don't have intimacy with God, we have nothing. If we don't have time that we set apart for God to know him and to be known and to be seen and get in his word, then we, we don't stand a chance against going towards God's promises. You know, God's promises, there, there, there is a war ahead of us. There is a, there's things that we're going to have to overcome and obstacles we're going to have to learn from and grow from. And if you don't understand to have intimacy with God first, then you're never going to make it to that point. Intimacy with God is the doorway to courage that is the doorway to breakthrough in our lives. So a lot of people, when they tell me, like, they're like, man, Chris, I don't, I'm not just not getting breakthrough in this area of my life. Then my number one thing, I always ask them, like, hey, how are, are you spending time with God? How is your intimacy with God? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've totally been lacking on that. And I really believe that intimacy is a place where God can birth things into your life, if I can say. So whether that's courage or that's strength or that's trust or that's healing in your heart, if you don't have intimacy as a foundation of your relationship and your Christian walk with God, then you're not going to be able to grow anywhere. And that's where God can come in and say, I love you. I can encourage you here. I can give you direction. This is where you're going. It's this foundational place of where, where we begin. So I'm going to start here in Joshua 1. Uh, if you guys want to open up there right now, I'm going to be preaching out of there today. This is God's commission to Joshua. So Moses um, has led the people of Israel out of Egypt, um, and they've been in the wilderness for 40 years, and God speaks to Joshua. So he says here in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
That's good. So right there, there's some incredible promises that God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. So I even feel there's people here today that just need to hear that. I know I, I do. It's so encouraging to know that God's never going to leave me. The one thing I do recognize, though, about intimacy is that Joshua has a high level of intimacy with God, if you notice that. He hears God very clearly. I would love if I could hear God clearly all the time like Joshua does. Just very clearly, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. I do sometimes, but I really feel like he is a man of intimacy with God. So if we notice here, God commands Joshua three times in seven verses to be strong and of good courage. So what was he, what were you? he's probably afraid. That's what my assumption is, that he was actually afraid, that he was um, afraid, and who wouldn't be? You know, you have these grumbling Israelites who've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has passed away, and now God is like, hey, you're the guy that's going to lead these people into the promised land. Like, talk about pressure, right? So I believe he was afraid, and that's the thing in our lives is it's okay to be afraid. When God speaks to you in your life about your calling, your destiny, I actually strongly believe that you should be afraid. I believe that if you're not afraid about where God is leading you, then I don't think you have God's full picture for your life. I really don't. If you look at any person in the Bible walk with God, there was no one that was sitting there that had a mundane time with Jesus who wasn't called to make a difference, who wasn't doing something profound for God, who wasn't changing the world or doing something significant. And I think, like before when I was talking about the consecration and, and people being set apart, I really feel like God is setting apart people who will actually say, no, God, I actually believe that you are still the God of the Bible. The, the things that you did, God, and the things that you did through your people, I believe that you're going to do that again, and I want, I want to be a part of that. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to be surrounded by people who are saying yes to God, who are like, I'm going to pursue God, and whatever God wants to do with my life, he can do. I believe that God is looking for people like Joshua. And so it's okay for us to be afraid, but we cannot submit to fear. It's the two very different things. If, we, if we're afraid, that's very normal, it's very natural. But when we submit to fear, that's when the enemy can come in and start pressing on us and, and attacking us, is when we submit to fear. You know, we are called to live an uncomfortable life. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, the great comforter. Right? See, but Joshua was intimate with God. See, Joshua was intimate. He could hear God's voice. And that's where he could receive courage that actually led to the breakthrough that Israel needed. Isn't that amazing? That in intimacy, he could hear God, he could be strengthened with courage, and then step into breakthrough and say, we're actually going to go do this, that delivered the Israelites into the promised land, and they could take over what God had promised them. That's incredible, right? You guys are giving me a bit of a blank stare. Maybe i got to explain this a little more. So, for example, for me personally, writing this sermon, um, I feel like sometimes I have a lot of good ideas. I'm a person that I'm like, you know what, i got a good idea. I know how to fix this. I know how to grow this thing. I know how to go about this. I'm just an ideas guy. You can ask Katrina. I always have ideas. And so the, earlier this week, um, when I was writing the sermon, I'm like, okay, great. I, I feel, God, you've given me this message. This is what I want to preach. This is what I want to communicate. And, you know, I'm like, all right, but I don't want to, I'm like, God gave me a very clear structure a few weeks ago about like, hey, this is how you should probably write your sermons. Because 
as you know, I don't know who here communicates as part of the job. Ed probably does lots of this, and it's hard to actually know, like, okay, how should I structure things? Do I start here? Should I say this? Should I add some of my own story? It's not easy. And so I had my own ideas of how I should go about this sermon. And by Wednesday, I just had, like, literally, so, like, just so much information on my computer, just, like, pages of information, and it wasn't making sense. Part of what I had was actually preaching about a different subject, and this was preaching about this subject, but I'm trying to preach about partnering with the promises of God. And I just hear God just knock on my head. He's like, he just says to me really clearly, he's like, hey, do you want to do this with me? <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm at, you're actually writing about me. I can help you. And I'm like, yes, God, thank you so much. And so it wasn't that I was leaving God out of the picture on purpose. Like on purpose. I was just so fired up about this sermon and how I was going to go about it. But that intimacy with God, when he just spoke and he just knocked on my hollow head and he just spoke to me so clearly, it gave me clarity, it gave me peace, and now here we are. Are you guys catching that? It's so, it's so important that we have intimacy with God. And I know this sounds very basic, but intimacy with God is the door to breakthrough for your guys' lives for what, where God has called you, what you feel like you want to ha- see happen in your family and in your life. I remember a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, actually, I went to Mexico with my parents, um, and I'm trying to figure out how, how much I should share as far as details, but the long story short um, is I felt very disconnected from my parents for the past few years at this time. I moved out when I was um, just before grade 12, and I had been out of high school for a while, and I just felt very disconnected from my family, from my parents specifically, um, and if you meet them, they're beautiful people. It's nothing that they did on purpose or intentionally. Um, but there was this trip coming um, where they were going to Mexico with one of my sisters. And I just felt this need in my heart. And I was talking with Katrina. And I'm like, I need to go. I need to be a part of this. I feel disconnected. I need to communicate my heart. I need to spend time with them. And so I went. I went to Mexico. Um, and the first morning, I remember I had all this pain in my heart. And, I, and even though it was so good seeing them, I felt the father just said to me, he's like, I'm going to open a really clear door of opportunity for you to share with them your heart and your feelings. And I'm like, okay, God, this is going to be great. And then he's like, okay, go now. <laughs> I was like, are you serious, man? I'm like, why do you have to do that to me? And it was just like, go now. The door's open. And, like, who knows it's different with family. It's different when you confront them and say, you've made me mad, blah. And then you figure it out later and you forgive each other. And it's different when you say, here's how you've hurt me. Here's my heart. Here, let me be seen. Let me be known. I'm not attacking you, but I feel genuinely or genuinely disappointed and hurt. That's different, and I've never done that with my family until that point. And so I felt so nervous. I felt so weird. It felt so unnatural, and I just remember opening up and saying, like, hey, guys, I feel very disconnected from you. I just want to share with you over the past four or five years that I haven't lived with you guys, I feel just so um, isolated from my family. I feel like I'm not included. I feel like I'm this and that. And I just started sh- like sharing my heart, and as I did, I started to cry. My parents started to cry. Um, and I got to see their hearts. I got to see, they, they actually said, I'm their only son. I have three older sisters, um, and, which is crazy. But I, they, gotta, they just told me, you know, you're our only son. You're married now. We wanted to give you your space. You're very independent, and you have your own ideas on how you live your life. I'm very different from my family. And so they were trying to give me space. And so out of love, they were actually um, giving me distance. And they were trying to love me. But really, I was like, man, I want a relationship. Why are you guys pulling away, Right? 
And so in that moment, it actually was probably the most beautiful time I've ever had with my family. I got to share with them my heart. And as we were all crying, there was healing and forgiveness. And I just remember the presence of God became so strong and so rich amongst us. And like, we're all crying, except for my sister. She's kind of like, whatever, because this wasn't really about her so much. But I remember we were just crying and, and, and like and loving each other. And it was, genu- it was like the nicest moment I've ever had with my family. I'll always remember it. But see, it all comes back to this simple thing of intimacy with God. If I didn't have intimacy with God, I wouldn't have had the knowledge. Personally, I feel like my relationship with God is actually, the more I increase in knowing God, the more I increase in my self-awareness of, oh, I'm actually feeling this thought. God, what, what am I, why am I feeling this? And having that process, right? And so if I didn't have intimacy with God, I wouldn't have had the awareness of my pain and why I felt it. I wouldn't have been able to communicate and have the courage to say it or the decision that, oh, I should actually go to Mexico. So it all was birthed out of intimacy with God. And so for me, I really believe that God is actually always in intimacy. I, I don't believe Moses or Joshua were actually the perfect choice for God to use. You know, there could have been someone who was more qualified, someone who was a stronger leader. Moses had a brutal stutter, and he delivered the people of Israel. God did, but he used him, right? So I believe that God is never looking for people who are qualified. He's looking for people that are intimate. And he'll always choose people who are intimate with him over those who are qualified. And so what I'm trying to communicate today is people, the people in this room that are hungry to actually change Winnipeg, to see revival and to see reformation in our nation and do something bigger through life, God will always choose you if you're intimate. He's never looking for those who are qualified. He's looking for those who are intimate with him. So we need to partner with God towards his promises in our lives through intimacy and through knowing him. When we remain in rest and when we remain in intimacy, our awareness of our oneness with the Father is there, and hearing his voice is easier, and that's where we can have courage and strength and breakthrough to overcome and step forward. And through that, faith is born. So punch your neighbor and say, we need to partner with the promise through faith. Do it light. So we need to partner with the promise through faith. Faith is also the foundation of the promises of God. Faith is what gives victory and pain purpose. I can actually stand this because I know I'm going there. So, for example, again, the, the, the weed whipping story. It's, you know, I'm getting hit in the face by things, but I know where I'm going. I know God is calling me to be this person with this amount of influence and this sphere of influence. I know this is where I'm going, so this pain that I'm experiencing is for a purpose. God works all things together for his good, and he'll be glorified through this. Faith looks like, God, you're teaching me this because I know you are preparing me for this. I'm experiencing this pain, but I have this purpose, and I'm growing into the person and leader that you've called me to be to fulfill this. So how faith works, this is how I believe faith works. You know, whatever you have faith in is what you're being pulled towards. I think it was Chris Valton that said, whatever you have faith in is what you attract. And so if you look in your life right now, you know, if you have a lot of um, I guess you could say rotten fruit for a better term. Or, you know, if you have things that are constantly happening, I would question where you're putting your faith in. I believe that as we actually put our faith in the kingdom, although hard things will come, it will put a positive attitude in us. It will make us grateful. It will make us thankful. It will make us full of love and inspiration to follow God's promises. Well, I had this image that Jesus put in my heart um, about faith. And because I was just trying to, I wanted to kind of explain what, what does this look like that 
when we live in faith? What is this? Was an image that I can explain? And the really clear image I saw was Jesus just coming before me, and he just grabbed my hands. Uh, and and what faith is is God. Maybe I do know where you're leading me, or maybe I don't. But either way, I know we're going somewhere, and I'm going to grab your hands. And you can just start pulling me. Just start pulling me. Start walking me. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what you're doing. I remember I had a friend where he, as he started getting more intimate with God over the past year and a half, God told him, he's like, I want you to go and ask for forgiveness for like these, to these six people. And the situations were completely random. They were like, I think he had like swore at one of them once. Or one time he had a bad thought against one of them. And these specific people who didn't really know that he had wronged them, but he, know he, did, he knew he did in his heart, God asked him, to go and ask for forgiveness from all these people. And it was super awkward because a lot of them didn't even know he had a problem with them. But you see, he knew that God was leading him in this direction. And he's saying, Jesus, keep pulling me, keep helping me walk in this direction. And there was a purpose in that. And I believe that he's called to be a great man of God that's going to make a huge difference. Fear is, when we fear in our lives, it's actually because we believe that we're doing it ourselves. So, for example, if I get up here today and I preach, it's actually, if I'm, if I'm fearful, if I'm fearful of what people think and I'm fearful of preaching, it's actually because I believe that I'm doing it by myself and then it's not God doing it through me and with me. Right? So anytime we are fearing in our lives, it's actually that you believe that you're walking somewhere by yourself. I really don't believe that I, even for a chance, could get to where God is trying to lead me without his miraculous power, a part of all of it. But we need to realize that when we are struggling with fear in our lives, it's because we think that we have to do it by ourselves. And I do not believe that Joshua was full of fear because he knew that God was with him. And I love about this verse, and I love about Joshua 1, when, it, when God's speaking to him, is that not for one second does it say that Joshua doubts. It shows that, like, okay, maybe he was afraid. He was like, holy crap, God, this is crazy. You want to do this through my life. But not once did he doubt him. For me personally, if God called me to lead the Israelites into the promised land, I'd be like, you're joking. <laughs> me? You want me to do this, God? And the thing is, sometimes we think of, of people in the Old Testament and the New Testament as these like uh, biblical figures and not as real people. But Joshua was a real person that God had called, just like us, human, and saying, I want you to be the person that's going to step out and lead the way towards God's promises. And again, I believe God's looking for people that will partner with him like Joshua did. You know, I, I love Joshua. He's like, man, God, you said it, so we're doing it. And I think that needs to be our attitudes. Is we need to have so much faith in God towards his promises that as soon as God speaks, it's like not even a hesitation. God, you said this, we're doing it. Let's go. No hesitation. Father, you want me to go talk to this person right now? For sure, let's go do that. And I believe that the more we delay that, the more we don't partner with God through our faith, the longer it's going to take us to see the things of God come to the fullness in our lives. I think what God is really trying to do is get all of us on the same page. He's like, okay, guys, come on. Be obedient. Come on, have faith. Have intimacy. Come on, guys. We're going somewhere. And God's having to actually, and I think sometimes while we have like the frozen chosen, where we have a few people who are like big all-stars in ministry. Like, so we have Bill Johnson, we have John Arnott, Sean Bowles, Todd Way, all these big, people doing big things is because God is actually waiting for people to have the revelation that they had. That God's like, this is for all of you, but here's a few people that chose they actually want to listen to me. Here's a few people that actually act on this. Here's the few people that have faith that I'm the God of the impossible, that I can do anything. And I believe he's just trying to get all of us on the same page. That He's like, all of you 
are called to make the impact that Heidi Baker is making, that Bill Johnson is, whether that's in business or that's as a parent or in your marriage, whatever it is, God's calling to make a significant eternal impact in. Okay, uh, is someone back there? Can you put up the pictures of my dogs, please? Aren't they so cute? So these are our dogs, Jackson and Lucy. So Lucy, this little dog here, um, she's, she's bigger now. She's pretty cute. She's a Pomsky, so she's half Pomeranian, half Husky. Super cute dog, for those who care. She's a beautiful dog. Um, and Jackson, the bigger dog there, um, he's a very aggressive dog. So when other dogs approach, we never know if he's going like, to put them on the ground or he's going to snap at them. He's just kind of like pretty iffy. You don't know what's going on in his head. Like dogs will come up who are like the cutest dogs that want to lick him and play, and he'll be like, bah, like on the ground in a second. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My dog's a psycho. Um, so with, our, with Jackson, um, we were like, man, maybe we should get another dog. Maybe we should socialize him, get another puppy. Maybe he'll be more normal if he has a normal dog with him. And just for him to have a buddy with him uh, during the day while we're at work and he's downstairs. And uh, it was a big decision for us because we're like, A, like what if Jackson attacks this little dog? And B, like, you know, what if they don't get along after a year and we have to give her away or something? And, and there was just, we were like, it was a big decision for us personally, you know. It's like we're expanding our little family. And uh, when we went to go get her, actually, Lucy, the little dog, we, when we went to pick her up, I remember uh, we were holding her, and Katrina and I were looking at each other, like both very unsure. And, you know, she's like, I don't know, babe. Like, this could be really bad or it could be maybe good. And there was just so much, like, um, um, unsureness. No, that doesn't make sense. Uncertainty. Thanks, babe. Um, so much uncertainty in that moment. And I remember just all of a sudden I saw the person of Jesus come and just stand before me. And in the middle of my anxiety, he just looks at me, and he's so confident. He's so full of love and joy, and he's got no worries. He's so chill, and I'm, he's just like, man, this, he's like, this is good. Chris, this is good. Trust me. And I'm like, okay. And so I look at Katrina, and she's still, like, freaking out. And I'm like, babe, this is good. Like, I just, I felt Jesus speak to me. This is good. We should get this dog. And we ended up getting her, and Jackson didn't like her for the first little bit, but then became best friends, helped him become somewhat more normal, which was awesome. Um, and really, it, it actually helped him a lot in his journey. And so that might seem like something very small and maybe insignificant, but to me, it was so personal and so intimate that God would come and speak to me and say, hey, this is actually going to be okay this dog is good for your family. For me, in that moment, it meant a lot that I was like, man, this is a huge decision. And for Jesus to come to me face to face and say, man, this is going to be all good. It meant so much to me. The craziest thing is I, I remembered when, once we got the dog, about a month later, I remember God spoke to me. When I was um, 17 and I moved up from my parents' house, I had a dog who I ironically named Trevor, which is kind of funny. <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny. I don't know why. I just thought it was like, what a cool name, Trevor. <laughs> and I didn't know Trevor at that time. So I named him Trevor, but then when I, when I moved out when I was like a few, or a few months later, um, I had to move out. I uh, left the dog there with my parents, and then when they got new jobs, they couldn't take care of them anymore. Um, and I remember I was like super upset, and I was like, oh man, I felt guilty like I got this dog and I couldn't take care of it. I'm like, this is terrible. But I remember God spoke to me, and he's like, I'm going to get you an Australian Shepherd and a Pomsky one day, because I also wanted a Pomsky. And he made that promise to me. You're going you're gonna to have an Australian Shepherd that you're going to love even more and a Pomsky that you're going to love even more one day. And he made that promise to me in that moment. And about a month later, after I had my dogs, I'm like, holy crap, I have a Pomsky and an Australian Shepherd. And subconsciously, God was working this out in my heart, and he promises, and it came to pass. It's pretty amazing. Pretty stoked on it. 
Another simple example is when I came to Winnipeg, I had no friends here. I don't think I knew anyone except for Cassidy Harder, actually, because I went to school with him at Bethel. Uh, but we were really close. And I remember when I came to Winnipeg, God just started saying, hey, reach out to this person, reach out to that person. And he brought all my friends. He brought the, he brought the right family to me. And he brought the connections I needed. But see, in all of those things, it was having faith in Jesus. When he comes and says, I'm going to do this, don't worry that we actually don't have to worry, that he's going to fulfill these things and we can rest by putting our faith in the right thing. So we cannot give up. And in our lives, just because things are not easy does not mean you are not following God. I believe that actually when you have faith and you're partnering with God's promises and prophetic words on your life, that it should not be easy. And you're going to hit things and you're going to feel like, man, I must not be walking in God's purpose and, and promises for my life. But I really believe that if you're not hitting the devil sometimes, if you're not walking in opposition against him, there could be a chance you're walking the same way. Not my line, Bill Johnson. <laughs> so we need to partner with the promise through faith. You know, I remember, I'll share this one quick story. I remember when I was actually, um, I drove to the coast when I was uh, planning Katrina's engagement in California when, when I proposed to her. And I remember my, car, my transmission blew up on the way back, and it cost like a ton of money to tow it and get it fixed. It was insane. And I remember this girl at school comes up to me, and she's like, yeah, don't you know what God's trying to say to you? Like, you're obviously not supposed to marry her. Like, this is totally God speaking to you. And I looked at her, and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I said that to her. I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She's like, what? And I was like, no, I actually believe when you're doing what God has called you to do, it should not always be easy. There should be some opposition. Anything that we do needs to be worth us sacrificing and going through things because we believe in it so strongly. But I was just like, listen, I can't talk to you anymore. I need to <laughs> That was really dumb. This is your third year at Bethel. You should know better than that. Oh, man, I've been going for a while here, guys. I'll speed this up a little bit. So punch your neighbor again and say we need to partner with God's promises through obedience. It's more aggressive. I like punching. It's like it gets you more engaged, right? Um, so you guys, I th what I think obedience is, obedience is where the rubber meets the road. So this is all nice for us to hear this, but obedience is when we say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? He's like, you can start here. Do this one thing. That's where the rubber meets the road when we say, okay, I'm going to cross over that line and actually do it. I'm going to stop being a chicken. I'm going to stop living by fear. I'm actually going to be obedient. Obedience is the difference between a follower and a believer. When you simply just believe in something, when you just believe, no, believing in Jesus is real. Or, sorry, believing that Jesus is real is great. That's what I meant to say, sorry. Believing that he's real is great, but that doesn't do anything for you. When you follow Jesus, that's when you begin to see fruit in your life, and that's when you begin to see transformation. You know, I think so many times in life I, I see people and I'm like, like, and they're full of faith. I see people actually who are, are Christians, but they have all these, all these sins in their life, all this stuff going on, all this destruction in their life. And they're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's all good. And I'm like, cool, what's that doing for you? And they're like, well, yeah, things are really hard. And look at all these terrible things going on that I am causing. I'm like, yeah, it's different between believing in Jesus and actually following him. Following in his footsteps, following his promptings. And I would challenge all of us this week that we could step out and say, Holy Spirit, how can I be obedient to you this week? Or even better yet, leaving from church and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And I find so many times it's practical. The Holy Spirit's like, how about you just go serve your wife and love her? Don't even ask for anything. Just give to her. I'm like, okay, I'll try and do that. 
You know, or maybe it's like, hey, call up this friend and just love them and just pray for them. Like, ask them how you can be there for them. Or it's, hey, actually, at work, I want you to be more loving. You're not that loving. Be more loving. Be more kind. Be an example. Hey, I want you to start reading some leadership books. Hey, I want you to start applying for these kind of jobs. Hey, I want you to actually accept this job. And all of a sudden, you're actually walking out the promises of God in your life and towards the direction he has. So how does Joshua respond after receiving direction from the Lord? You can go to the next slide. I think this, this writing is bigger. There you go. So Joshua, Joshua 1, verses 10 to 11. says here that Joshua gave orders to the people's leaders, go through the camp, give this order to the people, pack your bags, in three days you will cross the Jordan River to enter and take the land your God has given you to possess. I love that so much. Joshua was like, man, we're doing this. As soon as he hear God, when he hears God, he doesn't stop and say, I don't know, maybe, yeah, okay, sure. No, he goes immediately and speaks to the people and says, in three days you will cross the Jordan River. We are taking back the land. God's promises are going to come. We're going to take land right now. That's, that's what Joshua does. He doesn't hesitate for one minute. He does continue to give encouragement and specific instructions and remind them of God's promises that he's made. But he doesn't hesitate. Instantly he goes out and he's like, man, no matter what, if I'm full of, um, you know, if I'm afraid or I feel like I'm not qualified, whatever this is, my feelings are dismissed as I have faith toward what God's had, towards what God has for us. And he steps out in obedience. So what is the fruit here? What is the fruit of, of Joshua being obedient? It says here in the Bible that everyone in their path is utterly destroyed. I would actually love to do a word count of how many times the, the phrase utterly destroyed is in Joshua. It's insane. Anyone, anyone standing in their way of the promised land is utterly destroyed. Like there's just no chance. God just wipes them out with people. And it's brutal. I feel like God of the Old Testament is like brutal. Like I, at first when I was reading this, like there's not man or woman or child or animal, teenager, girl, boy. No one is spared. Everyone is just murdered, massacred. And I'm like, that's brutal. But then after a while, I'm like, this is awesome, actually. Because I'm like, this is actually God fulfilling his promises. This is people being utterly destroyed because Joshua was intimate, and he had faith to start moving towards it, and he was obedient on every action. This is God's promises actually being fulfilled. You know, and I think what we can do and apply that to our life is knowing that when God is speaking to you, he wants you to know him in his secret place. He wants you to have faith towards you're going. But he wants us to be obedient and know that every single thing in your way towards God's promises will be utterly destroyed. So whether that's fear or that's anxiety or that's insecurity or that's self-doubt, whatever those things are that are standing in your way, God is going to utterly destroy them when you're obedient. But we don't understand that until we start walking it out. God doesn't go and say, like, God, God doesn't reassure us and, yeah, yeah, don't worry, it's all going to be okay. I mean, he... He does do that, but we don't see the fruit of it until after we actually step out. I don't know that God's actually going to move until I am obedient. I say, God, I believe you. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to act out on this. I remember when I was at a wedding a few years ago, my, I felt God just said, I want you to go talk to your aunt here right now. I have an encounter. And I just began talking with her. And without me even saying anything, I wasn't preaching her. She's like, she looks at me and she's like, why do you believe in God? And I'm like, oh, let me share with you. And I got to share my testimony with her. And and before you know it, we were talking back and forth about God and how she used to go to church. 
and I got a word of knowledge about her, her mom, and I just said, like, hey, I feel like you have, like, really deep issues in your heart for your mom, like your mom mistreated you, and it's affected the way you see God in life, and you have deep wounds, and I just said, but God is here today wanting to heal those, and, and at this wedding, I don't know my auntie super well, she's like my, I guess my great auntie, I don't see too often, and she just starts bawling, but it was something as simple as God's like, just go start talking to her, just love her, just be open. And she starts asking questions about my faith and about everything, and she gets radically touched. I'm praying for her. My uncle, who is a Christian, comes over, and he's like, what is happening? How did this even happen? And it was just insane. But we need to understand, when we're obedient, God will move. God is like, I am ready to do some massive things. Now, who wants to actually, you know, step out and actually do it? So we need to understand that also when we promise, when we actually are obedient, to God to actually go after the promises and the prophetic words he has for us, that sometimes it will be a war. It will not always be easy. It will not be like, God, I'm just receiving all these things. Things, like, it's things that are biblical, like God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He's always with you. Those are promises we can hold on to. But sometimes we're going to have to go to war where we feel the exact opposite. I feel like I feel lonely. I feel isolated. And we need to go, war, go to war against those thoughts and about those beliefs in our minds so we can actually be living in the revelation of the fullness of our relationship with God that he has for us. I think a lot of people are like, God, I want revival. I want to see revival in Winnipeg. I want to see, I want to see great things happen. I want to see all of these amazing things happen. And God's like, great. Start setting up at 7.30 in the morning with Ken, Jen, Chris, and, and Katrina, and Ben. Start doing that. Oh, yeah, God, no, but not that. You know, I, I can't do that. That's crazy. I got, I got, I got, a, I got a thing on Saturday night. Or, God, I want to see you move my workplace. Cool, go pray for your coworker. Yeah, I don't know about him. I don't really like him too much. <laughs> or God's like, hey, I want you to help tear down after church. Yeah, but I'm busy. You know, I think there's just such practical things that God wants us to be obedient in. And we need to steward the things that, are, that can seem small in our eyes, and God will give us the greater things. You know, if you told me when I was selling drugs in high school that I'd be a lead pastor of a church, I'd say, you're joking. That is never going to happen. And I'm not, I am not at all looking to be, like, acknowledged or glorified in that way. It's, but it's been God's work in my heart saying, son, I have a plan for you and a purpose. Trust me, I did not ever think I was going in this direction when I was in this situation. But when God got a hold of my heart and he said, I want you to be obedient, I have plans for you, start walking on things. It's just amazing to see the transformation in my life. I used to be so angry and depressed in life, and now I'm just not that anymore. I'm going to wrap up here, guys, because we are going to go over time, I think, a little bit. Uh, but just remember, I want to release this one quick testimony. When I was in school, there was this guy. We were doing treasure hunts. So we'd go out um, and find God's treasure. We would go out and say, God, where do you want us to go? What person? What do they look like? Um, what's, yeah, what do you want to save your people? And so I remember this one guy. I can't remember his name, but he was this crazy hipster-looking guy, super good at skateboarding, really cool guy. And God spoke to him and said, go to this house um, at this time. And, and knock on the door. I have an encounter there for you. I think I've shared this before. Um, but he goes, to the, he goes to this person's house. And he knocks on the door. And he's, you know, his heart's beating. He's like, oh man, this is kind of crazy. And he hears something inside. He hears someone struggling. And so God tells him, he's like, I want you to actually open the door. And he's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so he, he opens the door. And in the living room, there's a guy trying to hang himself. He's trying to commit suicide. And he, he runs up and he, he takes him down. And he's praying, restores him to his right mind loves him, they're, he's holding him, they're crying, and he got, this guy gets led to the Lord, gets plugged into the discipleship group at Bethel, and gets like radically transformed. I'm just getting goosebumps. 
It's just like, this stuff is real. The Holy Spirit wants to do real things in your life, real powerful things in your life. And I remember this, I can't remember his name, but he was just, I was so inspired by him. And every time I saw him, I'm like, man, I was so challenged. I'm like, God, what things do you want to, what things can you do if I just said yes and actually meant it? It's so much different saying, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you, no matter what the cost. So to wrap up here, you know, intimacy looks like we're being intentional with God. Having faith looks like, God, I believe you're transforming me into your image, and I have a purpose and a destiny. But obedience is now, God, how can I begin changing and growing to that today? When I leave church tonight, Monday, Tuesday, how can I begin walking that out? And the greatest thing about obedience is the only thing you can lose is your pride, is your fear, is everything that the devil wants you to hold on to, right? When we're actually obedient, it's like everything that we are not meant to carry gets dropped, and everything that we are meant to carry gets picked up. And in the kingdom, if we want to receive more, if we want to grow in our revelation of Christ, if we want to grow as a believer, we have to give away. To receive in the kingdom, you need to give away more. So yeah, I really believe that obedience is the line in the sand that says, I'm willing to do anything in order to fulfill your purposes. We need to partner with God's promises through obedience. So I'm going to pray and wrap up. And I think Ken's going to come up here for a minute. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Father, I thank you so much for um, the people here today, God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit here at work. And Father, I just pray that you would begin touching people's hearts, God, that people would be marked by your love, God, for a purpose and a plan that, God, you'd begin manifesting yourself in people's lives, in and through their lives, God. I pray that we'd be people that would carry your presence, God, that we'd be so internally transformed by your presence, God, that it would transform everything in our lives, God. I pray, Father, I, I, I pray again, God, for all of us, God, to be um, challenged to a new standard of intimacy with you, God. And a new level, God, of consecration and being set apart, God. And that, Father, we could partner with your promises and your prophetic words and where you're leading us, God, through our intimacy, through our faith, that we believe where you're leading us, God, but also through our obedience. Father, we thank you for the life of Joshua, God, that he's such an example of this. Um, yeah, God, I just pray that people can feel encouraged. I love them so much, and we love you. I pray everyone has a great week.